0: Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly.
1: From WBEZ Chicago and PRX, this is Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. This year, Paul McCartney released a
2: new album, and John Lennon has a new box set of Imagine. Today, we examine the post-Beatles careers of John and Paul. Both the highs. Said, sure.
3: Just give me some
1: and the lows. Plus, we review new albums by rapper Vince Staples and jazz drummer Micaiah McCraven. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions.
2: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and coming up, we're going to review FM, the latest album from Vince Staples.
0: Better calm down, left side, out that knife. right side, out that knife.
2: And Universal Beings, the new album from drummer and hip-hop beatmaker Micaiah McCraven. But first, we're going to discuss a particularly controversial topic, comparing the strengths and weaknesses of John Lennon and Paul McCartney's output after The Beatles.
3: Imagine no possession.
1: And the reason, Jim, I think we decided to dive into this now is because uh, both of these artists are once again in the news. They're never really out of the news. No, it's We never ubiquitous. quite get them out of our consciousness. And, you know, McCartney just uh, came out with a new solo record, uh, Egypt Station, which we reviewed. Lennon's uh, estate has, uh, you know, overseen this box set of the Imagine recording sessions from the early 70s, arguably his most famous uh, solo record with his most famous solo song on it as a title track. Well, the context I'll I'll give listeners to, Greg, is that uh,
2: neither you nor I were there at the height of Beatlemania, okay? So our entire careers as critics of popular music, uh, we've been wrestling with the Beatles. We are both huge fans of all four of them. Yeah, sure. We don't want to see this group and these individuals as in carved in granite on Mount Rockmore. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's always fun, I think, to to dig deep into a catalog of music that we think we know inside out and look for new nuggets of revelation.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Jim. I mean, it's. Uh, I think the, the shorthand version of uh, this discussion is always that McCartney wrote the lighter songs, the poppier tunes.
3: Mm-hmm. Baby, the
1: Lennon was the rocker. And obviously that... that conflates a lot of ideas, and it's it's really wrong. Really wrong,
2: just on the face of it. You know, and then it's sort of an unfair match, of course, because uh, we got basically only a decade of solo John, and it took him a while in the beginning
1: to get going. Let me tell you, that'll be one of the th- problems with Lennon's career. I mean, he had three recordings with Yoko Ono before he even left the Beatles, then his big emancipatory statement, uh, the Plastic Ono Band record, uh, that, that put him on the map as a solo artist.
3: A working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be
2: yeah, but I think it was in part—and there are moments of greatness on that record, don't get me wrong—but it's in part, and I think this never gets said, because the first three albums he gave us after the Beatles uh, were so wretchedly awful.
1: Well, dur- well, well wretchedly I, mean, actually I guess during they the started. Yeah. They
2: started during the Beatles. I'm talking about Unfinished Music 1, two yeah. versions. Unfinished Music 2, Life with the Lions, wedding album. in 19- So 1968, 1969, those three albums, right? Yeah. We can picture him and Yoko and various people coming in and out rolling around on the floor finger-painting. That's basically, (laughs) except far more annoying than that. Those are unlistenable records. Well, I I think
1: in some ways they were his... uh... You know, I want out. I want to. I want to break down all the walls. Yeah. I'm going to make music with this woman that I love. Yeah, and screw the Beatles in some ways because well, and, he uh, was just tired of, of everything. And music is somewhat in quotes there. You know, they're yeah. going
2: through primal therapy. Uh, they're doing they're doing all sorts of uh, spiritual and and chemical experimentation. Uh, what they are not is consistently good records.
1: Yes, he, he was he was very up and down during this period of time. And uh, you know, Plastic Ono Band was a, a straight up rock and roll uh, record, very raw, very... Everything was on the surface there. And, you know, since then, you know, he made what many people would call... A a timeless piece of music with Imagine. Uh, You know, if you're going to play a Lennon track from the solo years, that's inevitably the go to. It, It dwarfs everything else.
2: I thought one way that, that we could illustrate what we both like and dislike about each of these musical giants' uh, solo careers is to play uh, one of our favorite uh, songs from those canons and also uh, one of the worst You know, so again, Greg, we're not actually taking sides in this debate. We're both going to talk about things that we loved by Lennon and McCartney in the solo years. I will say I think Lennon had more songs I truly love. Instant Karma, Happy Mm -hmm. Christmas, War is Over. Uh, You know, imagine that title track, Working Class Hero. I mean, I really had to struggle to figure out which song I wanted to illustrate Lennon at his very best in the solo years i'm going with a song from imagine 1971 give me some truth, truth.
3: Just give me some truth. I've had enough...
2: oh my god the fact that in 2018 this song, uh, which is a furious shout mm. in the faces of of anyone who would control him, um, you know, or us, it, it's as necessary today as it was in seventy one. Yeah, sure. You know, seventy one in the wake of all the turbulence of nineteen sixty eight, the Vietnam War, uh, this government having an FBI file on this man who's just trying to live his life, Nixon wanting to kick him out of the United States. This is the Lennon I love, the rocker with significant melody as well as the super adroit wordsmith. You know, there is a lot of Dylan, there always was, and and via Dylan the Beats. Um, you know, all I want is the truth, just give me some truth. No short-haired, yellow-bellied son of Tricky Dick's got a mother, Hubbard soft-soap <laughs> me with a pocket full of hope. Mm-hmm. Money for rope, money for dope. Man, it's just, that's, I, I I love it.
3: I've had enough of me.
1: Yeah, I I would say that tracks extraordinary, uh, speaking truth to uh, whatever power was trying to control him. But having fun while doing it. Absolutely, and the the Imagine album is is uh, more sprawling in terms of its musical ambition. Plastic Ono Band is just a punch in the face. And yeah, 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 It really resonated as a as a kid who kind of grew up being inspired by punk music. Now. The records after that, after those first two, are just—it is very sketchy yeah. and very <laughs> filled with with filler. Specifically, the Walls and Bridges record in 1974, mm. uh, near the end of this solo period before he went on hiatus, was uh, just a, a mediocre batch. Of mostly mid-tempo, bland rock and roll. It was an yeah. attempt to make a record yeah. that was would be mainstream, but it was it just fell flat. It didn't seem to have that energy and the invective that um, Lennon normally would bring uh, to the Beatles and to his early well, solo work. Well,
2: and there's drug addiction and alcohol abuse. Yeah,
1: there was a lot of indulgence during this period. But but and the point I'm trying to make is that even on these lesser Lennon records, there are gems scattered Mm. throughout them. And on Walls and Bridges, the song to me that really jumps out, and still I can play to this day and be just swept away by it, is Number Nine Dream.
3: Mm. (laughs) I,
1: I think that's just a wonderful piece of music. And... The lyrics are almost gibberish like. Uh, you know, Lennon said this song basically came to him in a dream. Yeah. And he wrote down lyrics that uh, make no sense in some ways. You know, he, there, there's this phrase in there that's in a, a, some made up language. I mean, you know. Well, goo 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 yeah, right? I mean, yeah, he was uh, not above that. You know, bawakawa, kawa puse puse. What does that right, mean right, exactly? Right, right, right. It doesn't mean anything. Lennon would say, you know, those are just. Sounds that were coming into my head. But the melody of this song is so beautiful, combined with the, the, the string orchestrations. Lennon said he took the inspiration for the string orchestrations for what he had done for um, a Nielsen on a cover of a Jimmy Cliff song, Many mm. Rivers Across. And he said, I love those strings so much, I want to bring back that sound on this particular track. People always say, McCartney is the melodist in the band, you know. Oh, uh, Lennon yeah, 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 was more yeah, yeah. straightforward. This is a beautiful, sumptuous melody by John Lennon. Number nine dream on Sound of peace.
2: So dream number nine, Greg, a great choice. We didn't even talk about Mother, although you've waxed Rhapsodic about it uh, in the past. Cold Turkey is a really good song. I could go on and on uh, with the Lennon highlights. Uh, You want to make the case, though, I think, that McCartney has just as many, if not more?
1: Well, yes, I, I will uh, make that case. And I believe me, this is not something that I held as gospel for a long time. I was among those doubters about McCartney as just a complete whitewash as a solo artist. And, and I rediscovered some stuff that I had dismissed early on. And I think McCartney suffered the same fate because his work was always being compared uh, to what he had done in The Beatles. I think if you remove it from that, you know, uh, huge shadow— uh, some of this stuff really stands out. And again, like I said with Lennon, I think even on McCartney's lesser albums, you can find some really good stuff. You know, you think about those first couple of solo records, they were incredibly sparse. People are going, What's yeah. going on? Yeah. Yeah. There's hardly anything on these records. They're so well, he's stripped like a, he's back. He's out on the
2: farm. He's just doing yeah. his little ditties in between milking the cows or whatever he was doing. And and some
1: of that stuff sounds really good.
3: That would be something. There really would be something be something to beach in the falling rain mama beach in the falling rain
1: then he formed that band wings which Ooh. people the the level of musicianship in that band yeah. was so thoroughly mediocre it was not anywhere near mccartney's level of talent the bombast yeah the bombast of wings everything's on 11
2: at all times Why not, you know, why just have a simple pop song when you can have a super arranged multi-part suite? You know, McCartney... Uh, is is uh, nasty in a way that Lennon is not. <laughs> now Lennon tried to torture us with some of that primal scream sonic experimentation with Yoko Ono; those first three albums, uh, moments uh, throughout the rest of the catalog, you know. But it's 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 in the sonic youth spirit, mm. the John Cage, Lamont Young, you know. I'm gonna call it avant. Really, I'm just gonna be as obnoxiously noisy as possible. Take this, right? You know. But but McCartney, he has this insidious curse of. Earwormism, where it gets in your head, and no matter how much you hate the song, you you can't get it out.
1: I I disagree with you that the Wings uh, stuff was all bad. Wings is a controversial band. I, I think there was some merit to, to what they put out, though. Uh, I think the real period that we can definitely agree on is eighties McCartney Oof. is really difficult for a lot of people to hear now. <laughs> I think McCartney was very much a lost soul in the 80s. He didn't understand, how do I incorporate this new technology into my music? How do I fit in? In the pop sphere, I think one of the big issues here is that McCartney wanted to be a still viable commercial artist and couldn't figure out how to insert himself in yeah, see, that's in there. the thing. I
2: don't think Lennon cared. I think David Geffen and Yoko cared during Double Fantasy. But I think for the most part, Lennon didn't care about selling records. Mm-hmm. And McCartney, not only has he always cared about selling records, he wants to be still the pop songwriter of
1: his generation, of any generation. Yeah.
2: You know, after you've been in the Beatles, right, what do you got left to prove? Nothing.
1: That's absolutely true. I mean, your body of work speaks for itself in that band, for sure. Uh, but I would say that there are gems, again, like with Lennon, those those 2000s records from McCartney uh, are, each of them, I could find some songs on there that I like. I could easily make, you know, fill up what used to be known as a, you know, 45-minute cassette yeah. side. yeah. Uh, both sides with, with McCartney songs from his solo years, and I would, be, I would include a number of songs from his latter day period.
3: Everybody gonna dance around. Everybody gonna hit the ground. Everybody gonna dance around tonight.
1: Let's each play a, a great McCartney song all right, all right. from the solo years. What do, right. what do you got?
2: You know, uh, the song that's always struck me as his most powerful post Beatles is Every Night from the McCartney LP in 1970. You know, uh, I'm glad he had so much love in his life. We should all be so happy. When he expressed it well, without the smarm and Hallmark card cheese, Uh, it was just beautiful. Every night I just want to go out, get out of my head. You know, this is uh, uh, someone who's restless.
3: Every night I just want to go out, get out of my head. I don't want to get up, get out
2: of my bed But he doesn't. Uh, What he does is stay home and and be with you. And then the way with that, that be with you, the way that song takes off. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a simple little acoustic ditty. But then when I'm with you, the music uh, uh, highlights the joy of being with this person he loves. And it's a simple, simple song uh, that is him at his love song best. Every night. I mean, that's as great, Greg, as a love song gets. Uh, and we're gonna have to talk I- I- in a couple of minutes about the many, many bad, 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 <laughs> bad Paul
1: McCartney love songs. But by the way, let's stay positive for a minute. Well, I exactly. I, I think there's there there are many positives with with McCartney. Far outweighed by the negatives, I would say. But then again, that, that's going to happen when you make uh, 25 records like McCartney has made. You're not going to hit the ball out of the park uh, with everyone. And Sometimes you're not even going to get the ball out of the infield to belabor a baseball. I, I think there's LH. plenty <laughs> where he's not even playing with a ball. He's playing with a brick. <laughs> Uh, so you made the case, you know, you're, you're saying that Wings never did it for you. Oh wait, uh, bombast, all bombast. There, there's some bombast for sure, uh, but as a as a credible '70s rock act, I think they did some some songs that hold up surprisingly well, and part of it is McCartney's strength as a, as, a, as a songwriter, his ability to sort of craft these multi-part songs. You know, the title track from Band on the Run is a good example of a multi-part mm-hmm. McCartney song that somehow works. He's trying to make pop music that, that's somewhat complex. ¶¶ And, and as an example, there's no one I know who listens to Wings at the Speed of Sound yeah. uh, voluntarily. No. But <laughs> I would argue that there is a, a really good song on that record, and it's called Beware My Love. And it's a, a like a six-minute song that McCartney, again, one of those multi-part co- uh, compositions. It starts out with these uh, beautiful but haunting and cautionary harmony vocals. Acoustic guitar, a little harmonium in it, and then slowly builds into this rock section in the middle of the song and then returns to the acoustic uh, part at the end. It's First of all, I, I love the symmetry of the composition, but I also love the energy that he brings to his vocals, the way he's able to switch from this dreamy, haunting sound early in the record to a more strident sound. You know, he was a big fan of Little Richard, yeah. you know, that rock and roll kind of yeah raspy let it all hang out kind of uh, vocal. And, and, and parts of this song, you can hear some of that intensity that I wish we heard more of, frankly, from McCartney. It seems like he's invested in the song in a way that not all of his work uh, leads you to believe. It is, dare I say, Lenin-esque in its intensity in certain parts. Uh, Beware My Love from Paul McCartney and Wings on Sound Pinions.
2: Where My Love by Paul McCartney, one of Greg's choices for his solo high points. After a short break, we'll expand our discussion to talk about the lows of Lennon and McCartney as solo artists. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
1: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott here with Jim DeRogatis, and that's a bit of Maybe I'm Amazed by Paul McCartney. Uh, This week, Jim and I are debating the post-Beatles releases of McCartney and John Lennon. And before the break, uh, we talked about the highs of their respective careers. And now we're going to dig into the lows. You know,
2: years ago, 1997, uh, the latest much-hyped then at the time, uh, Paul McCartney Return to Form brilliant solo album had just come out. Flaming pie. <laughs> right. So South by Southwest has this panel. Right. Let's reassess the solo career of Paul McCartney. So, you know, at the last minute they said, oh, man, this panel is going to be boring if it's just a McCartney love fest. Hey, Jim, mm-hmm. would you go on and be the contrarian? Now, uh, I, I have, you know, I have Paul his face is on my arm the cover of revolver was like an extremely painful tattoo i i am a fan okay but uh you know these guys were waxing rhapsodic about the genius of paul and then you know it was my role to to throw the spanner in the works as uh, george harrison would say and all i would have to do is say ebony and ivory The girl is mine.
3: Does I really feel it's time? And knows chair, you tell you I want the one. Cuz said I love her mind. The girl is mine.
2: McCartney's low points were much lower than Lennon's. Will you give me that? Uh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would definitely give you that. <laughs> I You know, I think if I have to choose one, and, and, and again, we're not trying to be gratuitously mean here. I don't think it serves either of these geniuses to say they were infallible. In fact, I think it's the low points that make the genius that much higher. <laughs> but there is no defending, and people on that panel tried, silly love songs. <laughs> The only song that I think is worse is Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey with that gypsy part at the end. You know, hands across the water, and then somebody goes, water. I I hate that song. And this song and Silly Love Songs, they get in my head and they won't go away.
1: many many worse all right, all right, give me one. one give me one I'll let give me him in let him in I'll Let's, give you how one. about let him in i'll that's give you one that's... how about temporary secretary oh yeah
2: <laughs> i was almost going to go with that yeah all
1: right so mccartney makes a record in 1980 called mccartney 2 trying to evoke some of the feel to the, the the stripped down spirit of his debut record um and it is an abysmal failure almost every track on this record uh makes me want to leave the room screaming. This is perhaps the most excruciating three minutes in the, in the entire <laughs> McCartney canon. And that's a, believe me, that's a heavy, that's so. high road to climb, you know. But it's, uh, it is one of those things where, yeah, this is pretty annoying almost. It gets more annoying as it goes along. I think this is almost McCartney's attempt at sort of making something along. Okay, I'm gonna mess around with this new, you know, technology and and, and make a sort of a, a, a synth keyboard based recording to to keep up with the kids. And <laughs> the kids an, today. I mean, it, it it's pretty amateurish in the way he approaches it and uh, in, in terms of the musical execution. Usually, McCartney gives you something in the song to hang on to, a melody or Mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. And then the idea is just unbelievably sexist, too Uh, the disposable secretary idea. Uh, He thought it was funny at the time. You know, I had a disposable secretary once, you know. Although there's a Lennon song that's aged even worse, whose title we shall not even mention. Yeah. So, temporary secretary, I think, uh, you know, I have to say that I don't think you can top this one or bottom this one.
3: Can you find for me Someone strong and sweet Fitting on my knee She can keep her job If she gets it wrong Ah, but Mr. Mox I won't need her long All I need is help For a little while We can take dictation and learn
2: Uh, you're right. You're right, Greg. That's uh, abysmally bad, abysmally so. Uh, but Lennon, you know, I, look, if Lennon had not been assassinated on the streets of New York December 1980, just as Double Fantasy was coming out, I think it would never have gotten the praise that it got. Uh, g- give me give me Lennon at his worst.
1: What do you think? And what we haven't really focused on here is how, how each of these guys was a filter for each other. They they, they sort uh, of brought out each other's best ideas Certain tracks that appeared on their solo records never would have made it onto a Beatles record because the other guy would have said, "Sorry, that's just not working." You if know, not, yet, if not, George it, or Ringo would have threatened yeah. to quit. In Lennon's world, I think he was looking for some kind of buffer or filter or companion. You know, in uh, during the Walls and Bridges record, which I just played a track that I really loved. Mm-hmm. Th- there was a ton of this kind of dross. It wasn't necessarily horrible, but it was just sort of this mediocre middle ground stuff that never would have made it to a Beatles B-side, let alone alone an album. And when when he starts collaborating with Elton John on this record... Oh, no, you're not going to go there. You realize, you know, and I like Elton John, but the fact that Lennon was desperate to have a collaboration with the reigning pop superstar of the era... Uh, speaks to his desperation at this point. Like I, I'm just looking for some inspiration. Are man. you
2: are you really gonna play whatever gets you whatever through the, the night? Whatever gets you through the night was that
1: the hit single?
3: Whatever gets you through the night. Yeah.
1: And I'm not gonna go there. I'm gonna go to another Elton oh, okay. collaboration right. That's fine. on this record called Called surprise, surprise. Well, okay, it's not yeah, yeah. a surprise, surprise. No. Not in no. any way. It is a boilerplate <laughs> mid-tempo, <laughs> nothing of a rock track, uh, where he's you know expressing his love for his lover at the time, May Peng, You know this this sort of he's cheating uh,
2: on Yoko. It's the
1: lost weekend. Yeah, so he's running away from home and, and having this fling, and he's this lascivious track about his girlfriend at the time. Mm. And, you know, there's horns on it. And, you know, <laughs> Lennon was never particularly proud of his voice, so he would always, you know, there would always be effects on his voice. You know, some of this approach filtered into uh, double fantasy later on. I think that's one of the yeah. reasons we're so uninspired by so much of the uh, latter-day uh, Lennon solo music is because of this uh, sense of the production's going to carry the weight of the fact that there's not really a song here. Uh, so Surprise, Surprise definitely fits into that category.
2: Yeah, that all right, that's dreadful, Greg. I'm glad you're not gonna do whatever gets you through the night. Because I just <laughs> he, he, just on the concept alone. I know it's boogaloo, it's overdone, it's cheesy. I am not an Elton John fan. That that Broadway theatricality he brings. But I just love that song. It was just the concept that hey man, do whatever's gonna <laughs> whatever you need to do to keep yourself alive. Well, all right, he was so, doing that at so, that time. So I think uh, Lennon and McCartney, you were absolutely right. It's a brilliant point. They were both always looking for the balance that never existed again when they weren't a team. As always, we want to hear from you. What's your favorite Lennon or McCartney solo album, and why? Call and leave a message on our hotline, 888-859-1800, or find us on Twitter or Facebook. Up next, we'll review rapper Vince Staple's latest album and a new disc from young drummer Micaiah McCraven. That's in a minute on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. And
0: have... Summertime in the LB wild, we gon' party to the sun or the guns come out. JB first one, foul, doubt, playing ball, now the whole city love you howl know they down gold dirty got better get low johnny his life all he got was a
1: welcome back to sound opinions i'm greg cott with jim Dirigatis. that's a track from the new fm album by vince staples it's called feels like summer third studio album from this long beach california artist a crime riddled area in which Vince grew up in. He got out of there through hip hop. As a teenager, he started working with members of Odd Future. And then made a collaborative mixtape, Stolen Youth, with uh, the late Mac Miller, who Mm. produced that record. In 2015, his debut album, Summertime 06, was produced by No ID. A producer who picks his projects very carefully got a lot of attention because of that. One of the most acclaimed albums of 2015, based on the work. Vince uh, Staples proved that he was one of the most intriguing up-and-coming hip-hop artists of our time. In 2017, the follow-up Big Fish Theory incorporated dance and electronic elements. He was asked to perform with the gorillas on their Humans record. And now we have album number three from Vince Staples FM. Here's a track from it before we review it. It's called Tweakin' from Vince Staples on Sound Opinions.
0: We're the wild, about to be fouled. text, never cow. I suggest you plow. I'm the set, send it, go get blessed but the God. Don't get clapped on. Just a young black man with a backbone. In a black home, I'm combed back on. In a Batmobile, black no-comb, yeah. When Jabari died, I was off the porch for homicides. Then when half it died, I bought some things to pass the guys. But when Johnny died, all I had was shows booked. Down the burning hill, I don't care how my soul look. I know you gon' tell, I can tell by your froze look. But I love you still, flaws and all. You my dog, put me behind bars and out. Cause we came up at the park. It's just crazy seeing everybody change when things get hard
3: this weekend, no, no. think that I am jumping off the deep end, yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing out of something, now it's leaving, trying to find my peace of so mind, is fleeting, I'm tweaking, 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 I'm tweaking.
2: That is a little bit of tweakin' by Vince Staples from his third album. You haven't been saying it right, Greg. It's FM! Because he has the (laughs) exclamation exclamation point. Um, You know, Vince Staples has made a point of saying in interviews, there were no concepts, no more BS with this album, and yet it is indeed a concept album. It's a fascinating one. It's only 22 minutes long. Uh, Two of its uh, tracks he doesn't even rap on what is he doing here? He has uh, created this concept uh, here of uh, essentially an FM radio broadcast on hip-hop radio on the West Coast. He's got uh, an L.A. radio legend, Big Boy, coming in and, and doing some radio-type snippets. What radio means to Staples is, you know, commercial music consumption and the lyrics here are examining this nihilism of black america drugs and gang violence and he is not celebrating that he's dealing with it as a reality against this backdrop of the best damn summer music we've heard even though it's fall
0: cool left side out that life. right side out that life. Night
2: Right? This is a fun, breezy, wonderful party record that in the same way his last album, Big Fish Theory, drew uh, elements of the EDM underground, Mm -hmm. he is now returning to that stuff he grew up listening to, which is that classic West Coast G-funk, right? The kind of party jam, uh, gangster rap of the 80s. He is saying, this is my pop album, right? But uh, the, the, the melodies and the good time... Party grooves contrast uh, amazingly with a very dark vision. Uh, you know, uh, the, the lines are, are, are amazing. My black is beautiful, but I'll shoot at you. You know, he's saying at one
0: point. Don't be looking funny when we come up in the store. My black is <laughs> beautiful, but I still shoot at you door. Tupac, Death Tales of...
2: Cold weather, don't stop no gun or wrong hat or wrong day. I killed my brother. These are amazing snapshots of of the violence uh, that he is you know, contrasting with the, the the uplifting power of its celebratory music. It's a fascinating record.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right on about that, the G-Funk stuff, G-Funk in the early 90s. You know, we had Snoop Dogg, Nate Dogg, Warren G. Uh, these were great records made by uh, top-notch producers. You know, celebratory records, as you say, about a very dark subject often, uh, which was the gang violence in, in Long Beach. Two traditions, G-Funk and gang violence side by side growing mm-hmm. up together. Um, he's not sugarcoating it in the least. And I, I interviewed him uh, a few years ago, and he, he said, You know, I think people need to understand that not everybody here is a criminal. A lot of what we have to do is just sur- basic survival. Yeah. Uh, because there are no options there for a young man. Uh, you know, there's no YMCA, as he says, there's no real kind of recreational options other than uh, joining a gang as a way to get through life. Uh so it's a it's a dire existence and a lot of these songs are about ticking off the names of his friends who have died. You know, in that song Tweakin that we just played, you know, it's kind of a eulogy. And yeah. that and that chorus by Kaylani really breaks my heart every time.
3: We just lost somebody else this week
1: This litany of every week, uh, there's a new body count. uh, Which you're not even going to,
2: if you don't stop and start to look at those lyrics, you're not even going to get that from the the nature of the music. Absolutely,
1: it is party music. It's a summer record, as you said, uh, but at the same time, this dire subject matter. This is a record that really kind of focuses on the fact that this is this is kind of one of those traditions. Maybe we should be breaking at some point, but he sees no end to it. There's. uh, I just want to make one more point here about don't get chipped. That reference to Sam Cooke's A Change Is Gonna Come, Mm. only applying to a very few African-Americans in America right now. Not Uh, all of us. The rich and the famous, the change is gonna come. But I'm not going if my gang won't come is
0: the key line there. Sammy told me that a change don't come. I'm not going if my gang won't come. If you see me pull that thing, don't run. Playing ball if I swing
1: it's like it doesn't matter that I'm getting out of this, but I've got an entire city that is not is still caught up in this, and we need to get out.
2: Tell me if you agree. I, I think that with this extraordinary 22
1: minutes, a yeah. mere eight track,
2: and really he doesn't rap on two of them, really like six track uh, mini album. Uh, I think this is where
1: he vaunts right to the top as, as an absolute equal peer of Kendrick Lamar. Oh, absolutely. I think, uh, I think he's incredibly—I mean, if it's possible to say this about Vince Staples, I think he's almost underrated because mm. he's not nearly as prolific in some ways as Kendrick is right now. But uh, at the same time, I think Vince Staples is, is one of our most uh, enlightened and, and powerful MCs, without a doubt.
2: That is a little bit of a track called Turtle Tricks from the new album by Micaiah McCraven, Universal Beings. Greg, what a fascinating backstory this young drummer, composer, producer has. He prefers the term beat scientist. He's, uh, he's born in Paris, the son of a jazz drummer and a Hungarian folk singer. He grows up in uh, New England in Massachusetts, relocates to Chicago in 2006. He is very much part of the avant jazz, experimental, electronic music underground of Chicago. A frequent collaborator, Jeff Parker, probably best known to the rock world as a member of Tortoise, right? Mm-hmm. That underground, incredibly fertile scene here in our city where, where it, it, it you know, giving it any one name doesn't do it justice. Um, you know, as a drummer and producer, McRaven has been following this path of live often improvised music, which he then takes to the studio and electronically manipulates. It's, it's fascinating, uh, the working process. Let's listen, and then we'll give our opinions on what we're actually hearing. This is a track called Atlantic Black by Micaiah McRaven from the new album Universal Beings.
1: That is Atlantic Black from the new Makaya McCraven record, Universal Beings. Jim, I'm I'm really happy to be addressing uh, this record at this moment because we are seeing a wave of jazz that I think our more rock-oriented or hip-hop-oriented listeners will appreciate. You know, Mm -hmm. you're seeing artists like Robert Glasper and Kamasi Washington, you know, crossing over into playing like rock venues and rock festivals now. Uh, Thundercat, another example of an artist like that. Flying Lotus on the hip-hop side bringing a lot of jazz elements into his work. Uh, Makai McRaven's right in that pocket. You know, uh, what you mentioned about the way this record was recorded, the live element with the electronic editing at the end, this goes all the way back to Teo Machero and those Miles Davis records, Bitches Brew and things like oh, that. Oh, I'm angry There's you got there first. There's a long tradition. I was going to bring
2: that up. I'll give you another one, too anthem of the sun by grateful dead yeah. right you know my favorite dead album recorded during the, the these uh you know famously shambolic live improvisations and then
1: electronically right. manipulated an and and you know he's working with uh, the young up-and-comers and comers in these four separate sessions that are preserved on this on this recording, uh, you know and it, it's a vibe record as much as a song based record, and it's a great vibe because you get the feel of musicians recording in a room, and then he's working with these and manipulating these tracks, sampling, chopping, looping afterwards to create these little discrete pieces of music. You know, for me, the highlight is that uh, British Barbadian uh, tenor saxophone player Shabaka Hutchings, which we mm-hmm, heard mm-hmm. on that song, which we just played. It gets really fierce, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, midway through, and, and Hutchings is right in the center of that. We get this uh, great uh, trancey, hypnotic vibe on on the london sessions with a song called sweet house which some people have said that's kind of a house music song you know yeah, maybe there's a yeah, no reason uh, that it's called that so you're getting these wonderful uh, cross-pollination of genres in and, and this recording, and I think it's just a wonderful introduction to this new wave of jazz for people. Neither you nor I are going to make a
2: comparison to Electric Miles lightly. We right. are not being hyperbolic. You know, uh, uh, kids, let me tell you, <laughs> you know, one of the downsides of being a popular music critic is, and I know you feel the same way, we don't get to buy anything anymore. We listen <laughs> to everything. Not that people even buy records anymore. I can't wait to go out and buy the vinyl album here because it's a double album, and one single vinyl side is is uh, devoted to each of the four sessions, New York, Chicago, London, L.A. This is a global tour of the wealth of creativity happening in, you name the genre, hip-hop, electronic music, ambient music, jazz, all of the above, and many more. I mean, it's just it's a brilliant and yet easy to listen to seductive album.
3: I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched.
1: As often as possible on Sound Opinions, we like to take a trip to that desert island. The waters are a little cold this time of year, Jim, but you're going to swim out there anyway and play a track you cannot live without. What's it going to be I'm
2: going to go someplace warm, Greg. I'm going to Los Angeles. Um, I had a pal come visit from uh, Utah and he said, man, I feel a little guilty about admitting this. I went to see X, right? Mm. Which is now a nostalgia act. Uh, and that got me on this X kick again. And I had to make a five and a half hour drive to Des Moines and back each way, five and a half hours. And I just listened to Under the Big Black Sun, nonstop for for, for 10 plus hours through the cornfields between Chicago and Des Moines. Oh my God. I remember being a kid when this album came out. 1982 to the major label debut by X after two fairly uh, rough-sounding independent hardcore punk records— All of a sudden, it's like that moment where Dorothy and Wizard of Oz, everything goes uh, technicolor. You know, uh, X embraces its country roots. It embraces American roots music, brings it into the hardcore punk, and comes up with a sound I'd never heard before. And then you go see them live. And DJ Bonebreak was this phenomenal monster drummer. And Billy Zoom scared me. (laughs) You know, this rockabilly god with a frozen face who would stare right through you playing these Incredible, Chuck Berry on Acid Licks, of course, John Doe and Exene Cervanka, trading those harmonies. I don't think they ever sounded better than Under the Big Black Sun. The song that kept jumping out to me was The Have-Nots. 1982, John Doe in his primo beat poet Charles Bukowski phase is talking about the bottom of the 99% of America. Dawn comes soon enough for the working class. It keeps getting sooner or later. This is the game that moves as you play. He is surveying the bottom-of-the-barrel drunk bars of Los Angeles that Bukowski made famous, right? And and he name-checks a bunch of them at the Heidi High and the Hula Girl, right? <laughs> he's going down the list, going bar hopping, and he's talking about people who no longer have any hope. Uh, all they have to look forward to is a shot and a beer after another hard-earned day, but the, the propulsion of the guitar and the wonderful harmonies that Exine uh, adds uh, to her then husband's uh, you know rough growl there's this glimmer of hope X the have-nots from 1982 on Sound opinion. Drink. Have Nots by X, Under the Big Black Sun. Greg, go listen to that album again. What a oh, great man. record. You don't have to convince
1: man. me uh, twice uh, to do that. That's a great record. Uh, great choice, Jim. Uh, next week on the show, we're going to do some buried treasures. Great records that you need to hear. You can download Sound
2: Opinions wherever you get your podcast thingies. The show, uh, as always, was produced by Brendan Banizak, Alex Claiborne, Iana Contreras, and Andrew Gill. On sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say.
3: New messages.
1: Hey guys, this is Josh calling from Berkeley, California.
2: I was very excited to hear uh, the Greta Van Fleet review. I did have the occasion to see them uh, perform live, and I was pretty excited about it, but immediately, pretty bored. The lead singer, his skills cannot be denied. He has a great voice.
3: But as my friend said at the concert, uh, you've got
2: to earn the right to jam. And this band just kind of noodles and jammed without having anything to say. You guys do not know what they're doing. I hope that uh, they can develop into something very interesting because the lead singer is actually fantastic. Uh, so we'll see what the future holds. Uh, in a way, it's cool to see rock and roll uh, on, on this spectrum. Thanks so much, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Ted calling from Chicago. I just listened to the protest songs uh, episode, and one song that I thought would have really played well there
3: is Jason Isbell's White Man's World.
0: There's no such
3: thing as someone else's war. Your creature comforts aren't the only things worth fighting for. You're still breathing, it's not too late. We're all carrying one great burden, sharing one thing. A touching song, it talks about the history of
2: racism in our country. I was at the Ryman last week and I heard him play it to the Nashville crowd of 98% white people. And I think that he's bringing a great message to all communities, uh, but as a folk-slash-alt-country-slash-rock
1: white artist, he has a great opportunity to change minds. Love the show.
3: Thanks. Bye. My name is Carol. I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I really enjoyed this song, Mississippi, It's Time by Steve Earle. Come on, Mississippi, Mississippi, don't you reckon it's time? Having grown up in the South, you know, brought tears to my eyes listening to Dixieland sort of being intertwined with that. Was in a land that never had the soul And, and uh, one of the lyrics he wrote was called, All the Crosses Burned and the Lessons Unlearned Left a Scar Across My Heart and It's Ten Miles Wide. And uh, overall, I think he writes a great protest song. Thank you. Bye. I said I love being black. Hi, my name is
0: Charlene Carruthers, and my favorite protest song is actually I Love Being Black, which is written by Jenae Taylor of Life 100.
3: I love the color of my skin. I love this song because it's affirming, uh, it's revolutionary, and it's an invitation for people to love themselves and to be a commitment to collective liberation. Everywhere, my name is Mike Collins from Atlanta, Georgia. By way of the Virgin Islands. Uh, in reference to your topic,
2: protest music,
1: I don't have any
3: modern contemporary. But I
2: think some of the ones that is still hold today is "Black Cop"
3: and the Sound of the police by Chaos One. Black cop, black cop, black cop. Thirty years ago, there were no black cops. You couldn't even run, drive round the block. Recently, police trained black cop to stand on the corner and take one shot. Those songs still hold weight to this day. I mean, to the letter, to the word, and that's what I have to say. Thank you. No more messages.
1: To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888 859 1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. What the West and the East have in common? Both have black cops and cause profiling. Hardcore kids in the West got
3: stressed. It's the East, we are chased by the same black beast. The black cop is the only real obstacle. Black
0: slave or black cop is not logical, but very psychological. Haven't you heard?